Hello, hello, my friends. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. This is the show number 75. I just realized that I am a little bit preoccupied with numbers, and that reminds me, uh, I think I promised you that today, uh, or in one of the shows, I will teach you something about numbers. But I want to tell you, I feel so good because now I know that I'm talking to real people. It was a different experience in the past. Yes, they tell me at the studio how many people listen. But I remember I was sharing with you how I felt uncomfortable doing the radio show because I was so used to seeing people. But today, in the morning, I needed to find an email that somebody sent me a while ago, maybe a year or two years ago. And I was scrolling down, you know, I have thousands probably of emails saved from years before. I was scrolling down and when I receive an email from people connected with PRN, uh, from my audience, I put a little star next to it on Gmail, you can do this. And I realized how many emails I received. These are real people. I interacted with you, I, I, we wrote, wrote to each other, and now I even know your faces. Because remember, I taught this course, understanding your relationship with yourself and others, and I had 10 people in the class, and I also teach uh, one year and a half long course for health professionals. So now I feel I am looking at the faces of real people. So welcome to today's show. Once again, we have an open mic today. Anybody can call with questions and or comments regarding health and well-being issues. You can uh, also call with your night dreams. You know, I love working with night dreams, and I do believe that it's the most useful body of knowledge a person can acquire. And if you share with me your night dream, I will share with you. I will uh, work on the dream with you right here on the air. And the number to call is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. You can also send me an email for those of you who don't have my email yet. It's drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N as N-C-I-K at gmail.com. Last week, I did interpretation of drawings. Of, uh, if you remember, I asked people to make drawings of seven objects. Remember, sun, a person, a house, a path, a tree, a body of water, and a snake. And I received um, several um, drawings, and I spoke about them. Those of you who were with me last week probably remember, because I received feedback uh, from a couple of people regarding my, um, my interpretation or my reading of the drawings, a very interesting drawing. If you remember, I was talking about this, I, I was kind of confused whether it was 
something that the person drew him or herself, or uh, it was a collage, or, or I, I really couldn't understand how that drawing was done. And here, what I what I got in uh, response or feedback, it, if you remember, it was like a, a picture of a person in a kayak. But rowing the paddle, the rowing paddle was a snake, and it was in a secluded place, and there is a house. There was a house there, and a, and a bridge. So it was not easy to to do the reading of that, to understand the meaning of that uh, picture. And I told you this. And here is, uh, I, and I asked permission. The person, his name is Jojo, if I could read um, his feedback to the audience. Here, what he wrote. Hello, Dr. Resnick. Thank you very much for interpreting my drawing. I enjoyed it very much. It is a Photoshop. I never thought, what it, I couldn't understand what it was. It was a Photoshop composite of many found images. The bridge was meant to be the path element. I'm a photographer and graphic designer. So that is my medium. Your interpretation was quite accurate. I have acquired some demons, and I liked the idea of using uh, that to propel me forward. And that's what I was saying. Remember when I was saying that the, the pedal is moving him forward and the pedal is uh, um, um, the snake, and the snake is, of course, a challenge. So, And I said that this person probably used his challenges to move forward. So he goes on, your observation of the house being secluded, meaning I enjoy solitude and avoid people, which is also true. Thank you, Jojo. Uh, I received another uh, feedback from Kay. If you remember, it was a beautiful, beautiful picture with the sun, I was describing a huge sun and then a woman in the middle of the picture. And the woman was carrying a snake. And instead of a house for people, she had a little house for a birdhouse with a bird there. And I said that, you know, she probably likes animals and so on. And here what she wrote, uh, she said, uh, let me see. Hello, Dr. Resnick. Thank you so much for your wonderful interpretation of my drawing. I was delighted to hear your comments and feel like all your observations were uh, spot on, uncanny so. And then she wrote quite a, uh, an extensive like, uh, letter. Yeah, I will not read the whole letter, but it's it's nice um, to, to get feedback. And I know it's quite accurate. Uh, and I can boast about it because I did not I did not come up with all this. As I mentioned to you, Robert Desoual, French psychologist, psychiatrist, came up with this series of um, objects. Um, and when, when you draw them, it tells, in, in depending on in what position you draw them, how they relate to each other, pieces to the whole, uh, you can make an interpretation. And it's not difficult at all. It's not difficult. I, I taught this to my students and they can take drawings and, and interpret not only symbolism of Robert de Soile, but any, any 
picture, any painting can be interpreted and understood. Mm. How? Uh, when a person, unless it's a portrait, a portrait is like an attempt in old times, they would uh, paint portraits of nobles or for king. So they tried to depict pretty much a, almost like a photocopy and they didn't have photography. So it was a, a quite an accurate depiction of the person. Uh, but otherwise, if it's nature or, or some kind of event happening, you can do pretty good interpretation by what? By the colors that the person uses and how the person uses space. In fact, um, I used to have an office not too far from the park, to, from Center Park on Park Avenue and 88th Street. And when I taught a class on colors and numbers, I actually took my students to um, Metropolitan Museum of Art. And we would go and look at paintings and talk about the painting. And I would tell, tell my students where emotionally the painter was at the time of the painting. And then they would go and read about it. In, in, uh, that was even before internet uh, in the library. Uh, the same thing I did with, remember I do a face reading. We would go to a hall of Greek statues and look at faces of some nobles. Um, and then people, I would say, based on the shape of the forehead and different characteristics on the face, um, what the temperamental qualities a person possessed. And then people would go and and read about this politician or this noble and so on. And it was quite accurate. And again, that's not my talent. Anybody can learn to do it. It's a body of knowledge that people have and transferred from generation to generation. Actually, somebody recently asked me a question. When you do all this numbers thing and all colors, how do you know that it's accurate? And I say, uh, I know only through experience. I learned it from my teacher and I know that my teacher learned it from her teacher and that person learned from his teacher and so on and so it goes all, it's a very old tradition, uh, Mediterranean tradition of, of face reading and understanding uh, forms. Notice night dreams, imagination, face reading or morphology. It's all morpho, it's form and logos, meaning behind the form, meaning behind the night dream, meaning behind uh, our appearance, meaning uh, in the, of the painting. It's all about correspondence or similarities or an analogy between the inner and the outer. Goes back to the most ancient principle that as is, as is at the foundation of most spiritual traditions. It's known to Egyptians, that which is above is below, that which is below is above. It's known to the 
Hebrews, you know, with the Hebrew star, one triangle looking up, one looking down, as above, so below, and with the Chinese, it's a beautiful, beautiful graphic representation of the same principle, yin and yang, remember black within white, white within black, I spoke about it on this show a number of times. Anyway, now, uh, if anybody wants to call and um, ask a question, remember what I do, my, my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy, so I work with issues of the mind, emotional, mental challenges, as well as physical problems. Uh, I don't guarantee that I will heal somebody, but I definitely have the tools for you to practice and see whether or not the tools work for you and take you to a better place, regardless of where you are. So please feel free to call anytime and ask any question related to well-being. And nobody is calling yet, so uh, I will continue talking. But again, I will be, I will gladly interrupt or pause what I'm saying and uh, answer your call. Uh, what do we want to talk about? We go, I have my, my long-standing subject that we've been trying to cover now probably for a year. And I will remind you, it's the work that I do, uh, the book that I'm still in the process of writing, uh, Six Pillars of Well-Being. And we covered already four pillars, and now we're on the fifth pillar Everything that I will be mentioning to you now, we already covered, and you can find it in one of the uh, clips if you go on the archives. And in the write-up about the show, I, I mentioned we worked on the fifth pillar. Uh, we spoke about character traits, um, various challenges that we encounter in our character traits. Here we have somebody, Nikki from Manhattan. I'm so happy, Nikki from Manhattan. You called. Nikki, you are on the air. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. Yes, Nikki. <laughs> you were talking about the sculptures in Metropolitan, yes. and I used to go there and draw them. I lived on 80th Street. But now I have moved north, and... In my dreams, I can't find my way home, mm -hmm. and I need your help. But I wanted to say I have done the seven feet tall scoliosis uh, exercise for three weeks, uh -huh. and I have I've been I'm doing it daily now, and it is a habit. And I get so tall, I hit my head in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so I gave you the exercise. Oh, oh, is, is the exercise of of being a question mark and becoming exclamation mark? No, I'm not the person that asked you. I, I just started to to do it because I do have a scoliosis issue. What exercise do you have been doing? Um, I thought you, you said that you were doing an exercise for the scoliosis. No. I, and 
Yes, I'm, try, I'm trying to strengthen the muscles around the midriff. Oh, oh, so, oh, I thought that you are the one who called. Somebody called me once no, with No, 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 I'm not the one. No, oh, I have a, <laughs> a wonderful exercise, Nikki, for you then. Um, uh-huh. I, I gave this exercise to someone several months ago, a person called with scoliosis. And the exercise yes. is very simple. Are, are you with me? Yes, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Um, remember, scoliosis is a curvature in the spine, right? Yes. Yes. And it like the curvature looks like a question mark, if it you does. think about it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then from mind-body perspective, from mind from the mind-body perspective, it means that on the emotional level, a person kind of lives in doubt, has always a question that is not answerable, or a person is not ready to answer, or a person lives yes. in indecision. Yes. Can you relate to it at all? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's a, it's a it's a problem. Uh, it's a painful, often from pe- many people, problem. So, but let me let me uh, tell you how to deal with it. There are two things you need to do: one on the emotional level, and one imagery exercise. On the emotional level, you have to make a decision to make decisions. <laughs> that is. Yes. Uh, and I said it many, many times to many people, it is better to make a choice and discover that it did not bring the results you wanted, and then to make another choice, and again discover that it's not the results you wanted, and again and again, (laughs) and then finally you find the right solution or the right path, then to live in indecision. And indecision is stagnation. And when you stagnate, that's where you begin to develop different problems. And if it's an issue with a question, like your question in what to do, then it's on your foundation. Your spine is what holds holds you up, upright. So you have to make a decision. And of course, just because Peter Resnick said so, and uh, you make a decision today, tomorrow your life will not change entirely. So it's a slow process during which you must totally be respectful to your need to have your own pace and yet to be insistent and take risks. Take risks with small Mm -hmm. things. And if you don't find that it's the right thing for you, okay, but at least you took a risk and you acted and then you make the next choice. Remember, um, Thomas Edison was interviewed about about inventing a bulb, and he was asked how many times did you try, and he said about five hundred times. And the interviewer said, "How did it feel to fail five hundred times?" And he said, "I never fail. Five hundred times, I discovered that it wasn't the consequence, the solution I wanted, which brought me to a final." A try when I succeeded. So the same thing, I'm not talking about monumental issues in your life, you start with small things. So that's how you give 
a message to your body, I am changing. I'm no longer living in the question life. And now let's do a little exercise. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Thank so, you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Close your eyes. And in your mind, just mentally say to yourself, I'm doing this exercise with an intention to stand tall and to have courage to make decisions. And now see yourself, imagine yourself in any way you can being a question mark, hunched over. Feel how it is to be a question mark. And now mentally say to yourself, I choose freedom. Physically breathe out one time and imagine yourself being an exclamation mark. And then open your eyes and say yes. Mm -hmm. Open your eyes and say yes. <laughs> yes. Good. Good. Wonderful. Nikki, you know, the only way you will know if what I just taught you has any value is, again, if you take a risk and try. I'm not asking you to, to have faith in Peter Resnick because I'm a stranger. Who am I? But have faith in you that if you try, you will know. Nothing of what I share with anybody is true unless they give it a shot. Unless to know something by definition, the word knowledge, if you look up in Webster's dictionary, uh, knowledge means understanding gained through experience. So mm -hmm. you understood what I want from you, you had an image, but now you have to have the experience. All I'm asking you to do is for three weeks, and please make notes for yourself after you hang up. Uh, Take three weeks and with small issues, take little risks. Don't, don't stand in indecision. This is good. This is not good. What if it, this happens? What if that happens? Just make little uh, risks. Take little risk. That's number one. Number two, go on my website. Do you do you know my website? No. No, I can't do that. It's very simple. Oh, you cannot do that. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then I... then uh, then do you know how to go on PRN's archives? No. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then do you can you send me an email? your email i'm a handicapped person and i'm i have just moved uh, okay okay I, i'm thinking how to i want you in addition to making those little changes i need you to read my article called doubt okay okay if you can send me 
your email or some way, uh, some way, I, I will give you my telephone number. You can write down. Uh, do, do you have a text? Can you text? No, but I can take a telephone number. Okay, you can. Uh, can you get it now? Yes, this is um ready. It's nine seven three. Yes. Five seven two. Yes, five seven two. Nine seven two. Oh, nine seven two. Yeah. Uh, nine seven three five seven two nine nine seven two. What you do is call me Service sometime after the show. Nine nine seven three nine seven two nine no. nine seven nine. No, no. Nine seven three five seven two nine nine seven two. Nine nine seven two. Yes, yes. Okay. Call me sometime okay. after the show, and I will, I will tell you. I will send you. Maybe we'll talk about it. Because I want you to read an article called "Doubt." Mm -hmm. I wrote a while ago. Mm -hmm. So this is the second assignment I want you to do. So first, okay. take little risks. The second, you read my article on doubt. And third, mm -hmm. every morning when you wake up. And you just sit up in your bed. You say to yourself, I am doing this exercise in your mind. I am doing this exercise to stand tall. To stand tall. And then close your eyes and imagine yourself being a question mark. And then breathe out one time and see yourself being an exclamation mark. And then open your eyes. And you do it all <laughs> for three weeks. You do it all for three weeks, and then you will call us in three weeks and tell us how how you're de dealing with your spine. Is that mm -hmm. good? Okay. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nikki, for calling. Uh, thank you. So I will call you after the program. Yes, please call me, good and good I will day. be happy to. Uh, yes, if if I am occupied, it means someone with the client, with the patient. Uh, if I'm oh, occupied, okay. there will be a voice recorder. You will leave me your message, and I will call you right back. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're please. very welcome. You're very welcome. Have a nice day. So much. You too. Bye. Okay, Bye. now we'll continue. I'm happy uh, Nikki called, and, and hopefully she will continue doing these assignments, and we'll see. By the way, I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't mention all the uh, kind of it wouldn't be modest, but uh, I don't mention all the emails that I get. But I, I get a lot of um, emails actually saying good things about like changes that people made uh, and following one of the assignments that I give. Uh, dealing, for example, with one of the issues I, I mentioned to you that the, we're dealing with fifth pillar of well-being. And so far I covered guilt, judgment, ingratitude, jealousy, doubt, worry, expectations, arrogance, 
anger, apathy, vanity, I believe denial slash blame. And I think I started greed. Please interrupt me if I already did speak about it. But I believe I did not cover greed. I wanted to talk about it. And that will be it. Remember, I told you that I developed this program and it's already finished on internet. And I spoke only about 13 uh, of the of these traps, or how to call it plagues, or whatever you want to call imperfections, challenges that people face. These ones that I mentioned. But since I started working on the book, and, and since I developed the program a couple of years ago, I actually came up with five more, such as self-centeredness, impatience, stubbornness, stinginess, and wastefulness. And uh, But I am not completely prepared with them. I will probably talk to you about them. Uh, if not spontaneously, I will work a little bit on each, and, and we'll talk about them as, as we go. You can contribute if you want to share with me something, for example, about self-centeredness, because I already started working on it, or about stubbornness. Anyway, but I want to finish talking about greed. But I, I frankly, I would rather not talk about greed, but I would rather now answer a phone call. So if any of you want to call, this is the time to call. You're welcome to call. Uh, but meanwhile, I will start talking about greed. Remember the movie? I, I, it's a long time ago. Um, this movie came out with Johnny DeVito, Other People's Money, when he says, the only thing I love more than my money is other people's money. That's pure greed. And it's a funny movie. Uh, but I want to say something about this, our culture, that greed is encouraged. I remember now they don't have it, but maybe five, seven, maybe 10 years ago, there was this commercial, a, a young, attractive woman with the tablespoon is eating from a, a maybe 16 ounces container. And you see the, the title, it's like frozen glacier. And she looks into the camera and says, I ate all frozen glacier. And I will do it again. And it's now, so what's the big deal? No, it is a big deal. It's the messages, and it's not conscious, but the message is encouraged over and over. It's okay to be greedy. It's okay to take. It's okay to indulge yourself. So greed is coming for, for different reasons, actually. But one of them is uncontrollable self-indulgence. There are sometimes psychological reasons that people do uh, as a result of some kind of trauma. Uh, greed begins to uh, numb their pain. But I, I think we started already a couple of weeks ago talking about greed, and I mentioned the movie which came in late 
came out in late 1980s called the Wall Street, where the character, main character played by Michael Douglas, taught his protege, greed is good. And though in the movie, the character that advocates this attitude doesn't end up well, but the message is still greed is good. And yet greed is not good. It causes so much pain in the world. Greed that, that drives these murders. People go across the border uh, and, and carry drugs and sell drugs and sell humans. Uh, by the way, this issue, I want to share with you. I thought about it, actually, even though it would be deviation from the subject of greed. Uh, and maybe some of you disagree with, will disagree with me. But how do you stop? Because one of the uh, one of the ways greed is ex is expressed or manifested is through wanting more and be the desire for intoxication. Something feels good and you want more of it, and that's how people try a drug and they want more of it. Yes, and what happens? So many people die from overdose, and. Uh, what so-called war on drugs is lost. And I will tell you why. Because there will be all you, you we are if if we are executing war on drugs, we are executing it against people who deliver drugs. But there will be always, always have been throughout history, and there will be always people who are willing to risk their life or other people's lives, if it's a cartel, criminal cartel, people who are willing to make an effort and to sell drugs or human beings, it will be always there as long as there is a need. Supply will come as long as there are buyers. And yet, we don't do anything to the buyers. You know, in Singapore, there's virtually no drugs, very almost no crime, but the punishment is so severe for both, for those who sell drugs, if, if somebody would sell, and for those who buy drugs. So if something is illegal, it's called illegal drugs. If it's illegal, it means it's against the law. And if it's against the law, Taking it, holding it in your hands, must be must have serious consequences. So my solution to uh, human trafficking, to drugs, drug problems, is not only catching and punishing people who who do it as a business, but the people who are paying for it. Then we would, and, punish, and having severe punishment for people who uh, use slave labor, slave, uh, sex slaves, or drugs. These people must pay a price. Then we'll, and by the way, it's not my uh, original idea. I, I met uh, many, maybe. 15 years ago, I met a remarkable person. I want to, well, let me tell you a story. 
Um, I was at a, at a party in Manhattan, at a friend's party, Rachel. And there I met uh, a guy. His name is Guy Jacobson. He lives in New York, uh, but originally he's from Israel. And he told me the story. I didn't know what he was doing in his life. And he told me the story that at that time, it was his fiance, now it's his wife. He was supposed to meet his fiance uh, in Thailand, Bangkok. Uh, so her plane was supposed to land uh, after his, she was coming from a different place. And so he landed in Bangkok and walked out um, from the airport because there was time still to wait. And suddenly, like four or five children surrounded him, the age of six or seven, and uh, started calling him and pulling him. And he didn't understand what they wanted first. Most maybe they were uh, begging for money. But one child said, Mr. Mr. Please come with me. I do good. Yummy, yummy. And then he realized what the, these children were selling themselves. And he said, he, first he said he was like shocked and he like wanted to move away. And one of the children like cried, said, Mr. Mr. Mommy beat me. Mommy beat me, please. And so he had some money and he distributed money to all of them, a little bit of the money to each. And of course, he was already in a different mood waiting for his fiance. And they spent whatever time they had there, but he already spent the time investigating uh, this sex trafficking. And uh, he discovered now I will skip it. It was a long conversation. I remember like now we had this long, long conversation. I never drink more than one glass of wine. And I remember he and I finished a bottle of wine between uh, between two of us. Uh, and he told me this incredible story, how much research he did. Uh, and he that he started organization, Red Light Children. At that time, he said, at this moment, Two million children under the age of 12 are being sex trafficked, being prostituted. He said, if we can save one of a hundred, it would be 20,000 lives. If more than one of a hundred, that would be fantastic. And I remember I was so taken by, by this project. I, I sent, yeah, oh, and that time he also already produced a movie called Holly, like the name Holly, remember? So, and it's uh, quite a powerful movie. I watched it and I sent emails to all people I had on my email list, hundreds and hundreds, inviting them to become sponsors of this organization. Sponsor, uh, of this organization. I sent them money. But why he came to my mind is because he said to me, I said, how can you deal with this horrible, horrible thing? How can you stop it? And he's the one who told me there will be always poor people who are willing to sell their children, always gangsters who come and say, we'll kill the whole family or give us your girl or give us your boy. 
you have to you have to punish the clients. And then he asked me this question, and I, I, I still remember it's so beautiful. He said to me, uh, Peter, do you like salmon? Salmon. I said, well, yes, I like salmon. Uh, it's a nice fish. Uh, he said, okay, how much are you willing to pay for good, for good salmon, for, for a good dish of salmon with vegetables, nicely served? And I said, you know, $20. And he said, what if I tell you it's absolutely delicious, the best salmon in the world? Are you willing to pay $50? <laughs> I said, no, maybe, I'm not sure, but maybe. He said, okay, what about $10,000? Would you ever pay for a piece of salmon? I said, absolutely not, of course not. And he said, that's the point. There are always pedophiles who want to come to Thailand and to different countries, Laos, or where they sell little children to use those children. And if we can convince the government not only to arrest children and uh, punish the children, but and not only to look even, although they almost they don't do it, um, to, to deal with gangs, but to punish severely the clients that the price would be so high, like you said, you're not willing to pay for salmon 10,000, so that the price would be so, so high that they would not dare doing it. And that's a fantastic idea. And I am uh, periodically going on, on their website. Now it's a big organization. And uh, at one point, in fact, I know that in, I believe it happened in, Yes, in 2002, in Cambodia, uh, he, Guy Jacobson was contacted by Interpol, international police, and they warned him to flee the country. Uh, and it was in Cambodia, Cambodia um, because Chinese and Vietnamese and Cambodian mafia wanted to kill him because of his activity. He's a person of incredible courage and commitment. But I met him, yes, I met him before this. So which means, I, oh God, I met him before 2002. Yeah, because this information came out, I, I, I read it on the internet, and I already knew him, and I already was a little bit involved uh, with his organization. Anyway, so that that's going back to greed. Uh, you have to know what price you're paying for greed. Let's say if you have the greed to eat more, you have to, to write down what is the price you're paying for indulging your greed impulse. Uh, greed, by the way, also expresses itself um, in, in workaholism. One of the two major causes of, uh, of workaholism, workaholism is, is greed. The other one, of course, is, is denial, which means a person is trying to escape. Maybe he doesn't or she doesn't want to go home. Uh, they are not happy with their life at home. Uh, or there is some some reason, it's psychological reason. But another reason is greed. 
Uh, I know somebody, I have to tell you, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what it is if it's not greed. A person has not millions, but billions, and not a very happy person. And I spoke to him uh, about how he enjoys his life, and he is telling me he, he can barely make an appointment, come to my uh, to my appointment to have an hour with me. And now it's just on the internet, he doesn't even need to travel. Uh, and I said, when are you going to, to enjoy? And I, it, still it's not resolved. And I, spo I spoke to him about this enjoying and spending time in constant pursuit for more uh, a number of years ago, I actually remember telling him a story, and let me tell you this story, uh, written by, uh, I believe, Chekhov, Anton Chekhov. And it's a story which is called uh, Cantaloupes, Cantaloupes, yes. And it's in old Russia, where they still, you know, paid, like, by all the rubles, a person uh, uh, working for the government could be making 20 rubles, and it was a huge amount of money. And so this man, he was working already for 30 years, and at that time, it's, you know, you're already quite uh, an old age. If you worked for, for the age of 20 to 30, he was already 50, and that, that's advanced age. He was working for 30 years, and he was saving money, and he was saying to himself, when I get 50,000 rubles, I will retire and grow my cantaloupes. And he was dreaming about growing cantaloupes and was thinking of what garden he will have, how uh, gentle he will be with the seeds and how he will be watering these cantaloupes and so on and so on. The, the story is not very long. And years passed and now deep inside he knew he never checked exactly how much money he had but deep inside he knew that he already had 50,000 rubles but he did not want to count all all his money because he thought just a little more and one day after work he came home lied in his bed and died that's the whole story and I told this story to, to this man, and I said, when are you going to grow your cantaloupes? And he told me a number of years ago, I will, I will, just, just a little, one, one more project. And, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. So for some people, it's such a disease. But I think that uh, it's not just greed in this person's situation. Uh, but it's uh, uh, an addiction uh, and possibly also escape from from certain issues that he doesn't want to deal with. So I met many people, many quite wealthy people who do this. It's expressed in workalism or sometimes in shopping, because again, all all media is encouraging us more, better, and different, more, better, and different, more, better, and different. 
and more better and different? Does it make people happy? In one of my workshops, I asked question. If you grant, were granted fulfillment of one wish only, what would that be? Nine out of 10 people answer, I want to be happy. Happiness, in my understanding, is having what you want and being fulfilled by what you have. People suffering from the affliction of greed are never happy because no matter what they have, there is always more, more out there. They can never have enough because after another achievement, there is a thousand or a billion dollars or, or yet another bigger achievement. And whether it's money or achievements, it's never enough. And you can always compare either yourself to somebody or to yourself a year ago and always keep working and never growing your cantaloupes. So the people spend their lives in constant search and dissatisfaction, a thirst that is quenched for a short time by yet another achievement, only to yield to another longing in a desert of unfulfilled desire. And most of the time, unhappy people make other people unhappy. The more important they are, the more influential they are, the more unhappiness they can create around them. So now let's get to, to business, to what, if I'm saying to you something about the problem, I have to say something about solution. Otherwise, there is no reason to bring it up. So if you notice any signs of greed in yourself and would like to find a way out of this perpetual cycle, no matter how tiny it is, as a first step, make a conscious decision that you commit yourself to changing this impulse and that you are willing to invest whatever time and energy it may require. So decision, make a decision, make up your mind. Now, possibly you, you may not know this, that, uh, but somebody else may tell you. If you suspect that, that you are overdoing something or you're over buying too much or, or working too much, you can ask people who care about you to tell them, to tell you the truth. Or if you notice the second thing, you write an email to me. You, I gave you the email. And I will send you a, a worksheet, your need strength profile. That's, I will send it to you and you will fill it out and you will see all the needs, if, if all your needs are fulfilled. And if some they are, not, they are not fulfilled, figure out which are not and how you're going to fill the gap. Because sometimes when you're some of your needs are not fulfilled and yet you know how to make money or yet you know how you have money and you can buy things. So then not 
when there is a certain gap or, or void, but you have the capacity to fill that void with something else, like with work or with buying things or, or using drugs or whatever it is, then people tend to do that. Filling that gap uh, may be uh, a serious journey on its own. And it may help you to pull yourself away to some degree uh, from from yielding to the greed, uh, greed impulse. And the third step is anytime you want to do more, to experience more, to acquire more, to achieve more, as soon as you become aware that you're going for more, stop. Stop and ask yourself, is this, and name whatever you're getting ready to improve or to, to get for yourself, to involve yourself with, Ask yourself, is this in harmony with how I want to live my life? And based on the well thought through and honest answer, you proceed with actions. Be aware that working on this issue may take not weeks, not even months, it may take years. But by taking one step at a time, spending your own, making your own efforts and celebrating your little victories, one day you will, will, may have what you want and be fulfilled with what you have. As I said, it's a continuous, continuous effort. Uh, it's as big of a problem as, as any other um, that I already spoke to you about, and it creates as much of an impediment to happiness. I've seen a lot, a lot. Remember, I have an office. I, for many years, I had an office in Manhattan, and I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of money, and it's so tragic because so many, and of course, it's self-selected people, they came to see me. I understand that not all people who have a lot of money are miserable. But I met so many people who are miserable. And in fact, you know, they talk about their friends. And I have to tell you, it's like they, they tell me many things about people who, are, who have as much money as they do. And these people also not happy. I'm even questioning, you know, yeah, I sometimes uh, I used to li uh, live on the Upper East Side and uh, on, on uh, 93rd Street and 1st Avenue. And I love to go to what, what they used to call Spanish Harlem, uh, 114th Street and I believe 116th Street and 1st Avenue, where there is a beautiful market, fruits, vegetables, you could buy a lot of fresh stuff. And I remember walking along First Avenue, and once you reach uh, 110th Street, at that time, I don't know how it is, you see a lot of people from, from Latin America, crowded. They probably live seven, ten people in a small apartment, but they're happy. They're playful. They're interacting with each other. It, it was so beautiful. I remember this 
you know, all, all these years, I, though I lived, um, I had that department like 30 years ago. So people, it's connectedness with people that makes people happy. It's doing what you love. It's, it's living in love, uh, not possessing more or doing more or accomplishing yet another project. Anyway, it's my time to wrap up the show to, today. We are coming to an end. I got only one call today. Is, um, I, I'm looking forward to you guys calling more because I, I love talking. I love callers. I love people calling in and I love um, sharing with you specific things that can help you now. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for being with me today. I'm looking forward to having your attention uh, next week, Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>